This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Caviar and by Manscaped. On last week's episode, we talked about what's happening all the way out there on Mars with the Perseverance rover and the Ingenuity helicopter. It's pretty incredible stuff. A helicopter flying around on Mars, a machine that can produce oxygen on Mars, and it's our lowest viewed video of the past month. Guys, why don't you cover tech stories like, uh, you know, iPhone launches and new Android updates and... Uh, space! Space! NASA! Uh, but because when we do, no one watches it. Yeah, thanks guys. Gotta be more titillating than that. Did the helicopter crash into a, a big-tittied goth alien? No. So no one's gonna watch the video. Yeah. Well, you know what? Unlike some other YouTube channels that fold like a cheap suit in the face of public opinion and uh, analytics, yeah. we're going to keep, we're going to kick things off this week with more NASA news. Good. How do you like that? Because, it, you know what? Despite the fact that 20,000 less people watched the video, it's interesting to us and the people that did watch found it interesting. It's good shit. It's where these technological advances should be televised or YouTubized. Yeah. yeah. But, uh... Whatever. Uh, yeah, th this includes Ingenuity taking a third flight on Mars that was even more impressive than the previous two. This time it rose five meters into the air and then flew 50 meters away at a speed of two meters per second. And Perseverance got this great shot of Ingenuity in flight over the Martian landscape, and uh, Ingenuity itself sent back some photos of it with a big-tittied goth alien. Right? Made, made you look. Damn. Uh, they all, they're all aimed down at the ground, so it's just dirt and rocks. Now, it would be... Real nice if Ingenuity could uh, just tilt up ever so slightly to get the horizon, uh, get a little lean on that thing. Yeah. But uh, one of the photos does include Perseverance up there in the top left corner. Now, folks, these are photos and videos from another planet that's currently 300 million, million kilometers away. Can we get some claps in chat? Please clap. <laughs> okay, well, that doesn't do it for you. Here's some NASA news that definitely hits closer to home, literally. Uh, currently, as we speak, NASA, the European Space Agency, and a bunch of other domestic and foreign government agencies are hard at work trying to figure out what to do about a large asteroid that will be hitting Earth sometime this coming October. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily for us here in the U.S., it looks like it will be making an impact somewhere in Europe. But uh, yeah, if you live in Europe, bad news. Uh, potentially millions of people will die. The U.K. is like Brexit worked. Yeah. Because we're not going to be affected by this because we're not Europe. Yeah. Despite the uh, the, the measurement, uh, the distance from actual mainland Europe being close enough to maybe have some issues, uh, so Mr. Asteroid. It's going to be a big dusty wasteland for a lot of you all, but over here in America, it's going to be fine. Sorry. Sucks to be you, I guess. I hope the Space News let everyone know that uh, the UK is no longer a part of Europe so that asteroids and meteorites cannot hit it. Avoid. Yeah. Also, this is just a simulation. I, I it's not actually happening. Oh, God. I probably should have let into it with that. Uh, kind of sounded like we were laughing at a uh, catastrophic loss of life, but uh, that's my bad. It's not real. Yeah. They're just, they're just running a little simulation. Well, it would have given the UK a chip on its shoulder finally, but uh, I guess even in simulations, they lose. Yeah. So what's actually happening right now is the International Academy of Astronautics is hosting their seventh planetary defense conference. These conferences, they happen every two years, and it's basically a big tabletop RPG played uh, so that NASA, the ESA, and various government agencies can have some level of preparedness in case Earth ever is really at risk of being struck by an asteroid or comet or whatever. Now, there aren't any such objects known at this time, but it is good to be prepared if and when there is. We keep uh, just narrowly missing. Uh, we're getting narrowly uh, missed. Yeah. Uh, did you see the thing about uh, the Tesla, not Tesla, uh, SpaceX rocket was almost hit by space junk? No. Like, came real close. 
Well, uh, on their way to the ISS. It's a good thing that didn't happen, you know. Would have been bad, but didn't happen. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, this uh, conference happens every two years. The last planetary defense conference back in 2019 didn't go so great. Um, as that simulation progressed, it became clear that a 600-foot-wide asteroid was going to hit somewhere near Denver, Colorado, and just kill everyone there. Mm -hmm. So the participants decided to try just smashing spaceships into the asteroid to break it up and or change its trajectory. And that worked, but not entirely. Uh, a 200-foot fragment of the asteroid broke off and was just headed straight for New York City, and there was only 10 days to evacuate. Uh, most of New York City was just completely destroyed. So, uh, not so great. You, you, you tried to save Denver and you, you blew up New York. Look. Great job, scientists. This is all hypothetical, but I'll say it. Good. You know why? Do you want to know why? Because we can rebuild New York. It's a fucking flat island for the most part with buildings on it. But in Denver, beautiful natural landscape. Imagine how insufferable New Yorkers would be if a fucking asteroid hit Manhattan. You'd never hear the end of it. It'd be just like... New York strong. Hey, where's the fucking... Uh, together, we stand. Where's uh, the fucking... Greatest Kabagool. city in the... Greatest... Greatest crater in the world. Rudy Giuliani comes back. <laughs> Just walking the street for no reason. I'm back, baby. You're it's time to rebuild. Anymore. We need to put the porn theaters back in. Mm -hmm. It's the only way we're going to make enough money to rebuild New York. Yeah. yeah. We need to stop and frisk every young man of color. If we get, stop... To get to the bottom of this comment. <laughs> <laughs> enough people. We can stop the asteroid. What do you know about the asteroid? <laughs> Uh, now, it's unclear how much of this exercise is based on random dice rolls and how much is NASA's equivalent of the Dungeon Master just deciding that, uh-oh, a chunk of that asteroid you just deflected is heading straight into the most densely populated metropolis in the country. Whatever the case, uh, that's the kind of thing that happens in these si simulations. And they got 10 days. I mean... I got five days. Well, oh, five ten, ten days. 10 days of imaginary time. You can get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, participants, they do have to be ready for anything. Um, but anyways, the 2021 Planetary Defense Conference is currently underway. It started on Monday and it finishes Friday. So they're right in the middle of it. Anything could happen. No. We could all be dead by the time this video goes up. Oh, we'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> let's read from Gizmodo's coverage on how things have gone so far as of day three. Before the tabletop simulation got started, the participants were given a preliminary description of the invented threat. An asteroid named 2021 PDC was discovered on April 19, 2021 by astronomers in Hawaii. The object is 35 million miles, 57 million kilometers, away, and its closest approach to Earth will happen on October 20th, 2021, a mere six months from now. The probability of impact was initially assessed at 1 in 2500, which is relatively low. Importantly, however, this estimate was based on just two days of observations. The size of 2021 PDC couldn't be discerned with estimates between 115 feet, 35 meters, and 2300 feet, 700 meters. As an aside, an actual organized response to a potentially hazardous asteroid would be triggered when the threat is 1 in 100. This is significant because the scenario worsened dramatically on day one of the tabletop exercise, when the participants were told that the odds of a collision were re-evaluated at 1 in 20, or 5%. In addition, the group was shown maps of Earth, identifying a possible impact area that stretched across two-thirds of the entire planet. Yesterday, on day two of the exercise, the participants were told that the asteroid has a 100% chance of smashing into the Earth on October 20th. The asteroid will strike somewhere in Europe or northern Africa, but the size of the object remained unclear, making assessments of the potential damage difficult to predict. Equipped with this knowledge, the team began to brainstorm mitigation strategies, such as intercepting the asteroid to steer it off course or smashing it with nuclear weapons. After thinking it through, however, the team concluded that had this been the real deal, quote, we would not be able to launch any spacecraft on such short notice with current capabilities. 
Indeed, the most viable plan called for launch on May 1st, which ain't happening. This proved to be a teachable moment in its Day 2 report. The team declared that enhanced detection abilities like NASA's upcoming NEO Surveyor space-based telescope, quote, can prevent short warning scenarios. Even a flyby reconnaissance spacecraft would have helped, as such a mission could significantly reduce the uncertainties faced by disaster response planners. On day three, today, the team was given a more precise geographical range for the impending impact, an area in Central Europe stretching 500 miles, 800 kilometers long, by 155 miles, 250 kilometers wide. Day three assumes that two months have elapsed since the asteroid was first detected. Threatened countries include Germany, Czech Republic, Austria, Slovenia, and Croatia. Mercifully, the size estimate of the asteroid was reduced to around 460 feet, 140 meters wide which significantly reduces the worst-case size and corresponding worst-case impact energies, according to today's report. But that's not to say the fake asteroid won't inflict serious damage. As today's report states, there's a 21% chance that more than 1 million people will be affected and a 74% chance that more than 100,000 people will be affected. In a worst-case scenario, 6.6 million people would be affected across a region measuring 155 miles out from the point of impact. Primary hazards include an airburst, the impact itself, and thermal damage. So, uh... Not yeah. as bad as coronavirus. Hey. Yeah, I mean... All things considered. It, it is fucked up that coronavirus reached such a, a death toll that a comet or asteroid might be preferable. I'll take the asteroid. Take a couple of days off work. Yeah. Uh, it does suck, though, uh, if it happened. Right before Halloween. We got hol- last Halloween stolen from us. Yeah. And they're trying to do it again. Another Halloween ruined. Also, you never want to trust Hawaii with hypothetical uh, doomsday scenarios. Yeah, you want to maybe double check on that. They, they've gotten <laughs> they might have sent out a few text they've messages. They've gotten a few things wrong in the past, as yeah. you're, I'm sure, aware. Uh, so, yeah, in this year's scenario, there's simply not enough time to actually stop the asteroid. They can't do shit about that. So mm-hmm. the rest of the exercise is going to be entirely about evacuating Millions of people out of a very large area of the world in just a few months. Fake asteroid. I'm not leaving. We, <laughs> I mean, we, we just went through this. People yeah. will not listen. Yeah. And like, yeah, the evacuation, it sounds simple enough. Uh, but you got stuff like that, like people who are going to just call bullshit on it. Asteroid deniers. On it. And uh, also, you know, just based on how the world has handled stuff like COVID and like the Syrian refugee crisis. Uh, this has the makings of a real clusterfuck. Oh, you need to move six million people like Basically, the entire country of Austria is in the range. So it's like, well, I, that's not my problem. We have plenty of chocolate. Over here in France, uh, we're going to be fine. Why, why should we be responsible for taking in millions of these Austrians and Germans? Yeah, the French, they wouldn't be into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, this isn't real, which NASA tries to make abundantly clear on all of their documentation for the conference. Don't let Marjorie Taylor yeah. Greene get a hold of this information. Exercise, exercise, exercise. Not a real world event. This is part of a hypothetical asteroid threat exercise conducted at the 2021 IAA Planetary Defense Conference. Joe Biden is trying to smash an asteroid into this country. Uh, anyways, the, document- the documentation on JPL's website, it- it's really worth a look. The whole thing is laid out very much as if it were a real thing that's actually happening. Uh, there's tons of details and graphs and maps and scientific jargon. And, and yeah, there's a... There's a reason every page has hypothetical uh, has warnings on them that say hypothetical exercise or this web page does not describe a real potential <laughs> asteroid impact because uh, as we've seen, people will run with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, without those, you'd be forgiven for looking at any of these PDF slides and getting pretty scared very quickly, especially if you live in Germany, Czechia, Hungary, Austria, Slovenia, and Croatia. Um, that would be bad news. Yeah. Anyways, we will update you on how uh, everything ended up going with that. But uh, speaking of experiments, 
Last weekend, a group of 15 people emerged from a cave in France after spending 40 days inside with no daylight, no communication with the outside world, and most importantly, no clocks. Oof. And uh, that's because, among other things, the main goal of this experiment, called Deep Time, was to study people's natural perception of time without any of the usual indicators that we depend on. Sounds like a, just a nightmare. <laughs> Doesn't a sound nightmare. Fun. Uh, and it turns out humans' perception of time is pretty terrible. Despite being in the cave for 40 days, one of the participants said at the end of the experiment, and here we are, we just left after 40 days. For us, it was a real surprise. In our heads, we had walked into the cave 30 days ago. So <laughs> it's a pretty big discrepancy. Uh, and one participant broke from the rest of the group and was sure that, that it had only been just 23 days. Uh, so most of these people's perception of a day was actually 32 hours and that other participants' perception of a day was 42 hours. Um, I'm surprised no one lost their fucking mind. Uh, it sounds like a few of them kind of did, but a lot of the other ones really loved it. They're just like, yeah, it was a little difficult getting used to it at first, but then it's just like, you know, maybe, I mean, they had they had access to like game. all the you know normal shit, right? Or or was it? They had like yeah, food and. Uh, I mean, it was also. It sounds like it was pretty uncomfortable down there, but that's like, what I'm wondering because it's like, you know, if it was like a Vegas casino, you'd be like, it was, what has it been? Three days? Put me back in. Yeah. I swear to God, I'm going to win it all back. Yeah, because you have no uh, idea what time is passing there. It's permanently yeah, like lit up. That's and, the point. Yeah. Anyway, it would seem that in the absence of sunlight and schedules, people are just inclined to stay awake a lot longer than they would otherwise. Or maybe sleep a lot longer. It's not clear. Um, and that's especially weird considering how boring and uneventful things were in the cave. Also, uncomfortable. The cave was 10 degrees Celsius or 50 degrees Fahrenheit mm. and 100% relative humidity. <laughs> Jesus. So... Yeah, not exactly the most comfortable place. They were pretty bundled up. Uh, you would think their sense of time would speed up instead of slow down, like the minutes would feel like hours, but uh, no, quite the opposite, it turns out. Uh, in fact, despite a few participants saying they were happy to be out of the cave, two-thirds of the participants said they'd have liked to stay down there a bit longer. Weird. Uh, from The Guardian, it was like pressing pause, said Marina Lanson, one of the seven women to take part in the experiment. She did not feel any rush to do anything and wished she could have stayed in the cave a few days longer, she said, but that she was happy to feel the wind and hear birdsong again. She did not plan to look at her smartphone for a few more days, hoping to avoid too brutal a return to real life, Lanson said. Put me back in the cave. I mean, it's kind, in a way, not to keep referencing everything to the past year that we've all gone through, it's kind of like how some people have adapted and actually enjoyed yeah. Being in quarantine. I mean, I for like the better part of last year, I felt good about staying at home and just having no reason to go out. That that eventually uh, went away. Yeah. And I got, I, I'm very excited to finally be able to do shit again. I feel like there's but, probably uh, a, you know, especially because people don't want to like go back physically to work. But there is, I feel like some hesitation to fully reacclimate to a, a normal schedule that everyone was on. Yeah. Pre-pandemic. I mean, working from home is fucking great. It's great. Yeah. No commute. Yeah. yeah. Some people don't like it, though. Cause, and uh, and those people are all the type of people that, hey, hey, you got a minute? Put them all in an office together. Yeah. And watch, Have them just check on each other. All watch day. as absolutely no work gets done. And meanwhile, everyone that's working from home is producing quality shit. Hey, can I have you all come to a meeting that's going to take 90 minutes, but really only feature about 10 minutes worth of actual, like, substance? I'm telling you, if you put all of, like, the extremely, like, outgoing social people who need that kind of contact contact into an office building by themselves and let everyone who wants to work at home work at home, everyone in the building will be fired within six months. Probably. Because they don't fucking do anything. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyways, before we get to more news, this episode is sponsored by Caviar. We've all been there. It's late. You've worked all day. And you have no energy to cook. All you want is that perfect burger from the local grill or homemade pasta dish from your local Italian place. Let Caviar take it from there. Caviar is the food delivery app for people that are into good food. They bring the best local restaurants directly to your doorstep. Other apps might have national chains, but Caviar keeps it local. Those hidden gems in your neighborhood, they're on Caviar. Caviar curates local options for every taste, whether it's the perfect Reuben from the sandwich shop or the best Indian vegan curry. You'll always have options for whatever you want. And not sure what you want to eat? Let Caviar's staff picks recommend the best spots in your neighborhood to find your new favorite. And just for our viewers, Caviar is offering $10 off an order of $20 or more. That's You're getting a you're getting food for free, basically, with this discount. All you have to do is put in our offer code TECHNEWSDAY, all one word, at checkout. That is $10 off a purchase of $20 or more with offer code TECHNEWSDAY. Download the Caviar app and use our code TECHNEWSDAY. Get that $10 off. And this episode is sponsored by Manscaped. Hey, you! Got bush? Miss me yet? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from Manscaped. After using these life-changing products, you're going to want to join a ball sack beauty contest. Lucky, <laughs> lucky, for you, <laughs> lucky for you, we've got an exclusive 20% off discount when you go to manscaped.com slash technewsday. Mm-hmm. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. This is the best trimmer for trimming your hedges. It features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When you trim your hedges, the tree, it stands tall. You get what they're saying. Boy, I... Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, making sure your balls are smelling majestic before your Tinder date. You'll also find the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a spray-on testy toner that's designed to make your balls smell irresistible. And uh, be sure to add their refined cologne to your arsenal. With a perfect package or a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag worth $39 and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. To get 20% off plus free shipping, go to manscaped.com technewsday. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for your bush trimming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash technewsday. Again, that is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com slash technewsday. It is 2021, and if you've still got bush... (laughs) You're living in the early 2000s. Yeah, change that with Manscaped. Uh But back to the news, uh, software glitches are annoying, especially when the makers of the software won't even acknowledge that there's a glitch to begin with. Adobe. (laughs) Yeah. But annoying is one thing. Life ruining is another thing entirely. And recently, recently it came out that a glitch in accounting software used by the UK post office for the past 20 years has absolutely ruined several dozen lives. From the BBC, between 2000 and 2014, the post office prosecuted 736 sub-postmasters and sub-postmistresses, an average of one a week, based on information from a recently installed computer system called Horizon. Some went to prison following convictions for false accounting and theft. Many were financially ruined and have described being shunned by their communities. Some have since died. Oops. So yeah, basically Horizon would just suddenly say that money was missing and software, obviously, would never just lie about something like that. So these postmasters were left on the hook for that money. And uh, it's, imp- it's important to point out, I didn't know this until looking into this, but uh, the UK post office works pretty differently compared to the US Postal Service. Uh, the USPS is a government agency. All of its employees are government employees. 
The UK post office is a private company that's owned by the UK government, and it operates kind of like McDonald's. It has franchises. Okay. So post office locations are generally privately owned small businesses that simply contract with the post office to handle mail and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So this glitch it didn't just cost people their jobs and send people to jail. It also cost people like their entire businesses. You save up for your life just to Jesus. open your own like post office franchise, and then you're just like. That's you, insane. You get ripped off for a bunch of money, and they also take away like your license to run your business. So you have no job, no it, company anymore. It's a computer. It can't lie. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, anyways, here's Private Eye, a UK magazine that covered this story extensively over the years. Sub-postmasters with inexplicable shortfalls were plunged into immediate crisis. Informing the post office helpline elicited denials of any problems or an insistence that genuine errors would be fixed through centrally issued transaction corrections. At a time of huge stress, the sub-postmaster's legitimate options were either to accept the shortfall, making it their personal liability, or to refuse to sign off the accounts as correct. The former could mean an imminent date in the bankruptcy court. The latter prevented the Horizon system rolling over to the next day, shutting their branch and putting them in breach of contract. For many, either choice spelt ruin. The other possibility was to sign off on the books by saying incorrectly that the funds did match the Horizon number and hoped that what they felt sure was a computer glitch would correct itself. For people desperately worried over the loss of their livelihoods, who knew they'd done nothing wrong, this didn't seem like an inherently dishonest move, but it played into the hands of a calculating and draconian post office prosecution service. Yes, this Private Eye article from last summer is uh, really worth a full read, Uh, although just a heads up, for some reason they publish all their online articles as like PDF magazine layouts identical to how they look in print. Mm. It's not exactly the easiest, easiest way. way to read something on the internet, but uh, it's, it's a great article. But anyway, this article has a, a few like case studies into some of the specific lives that were ruined by this, and it, this shit's fucked up. Uh, here's one. Phil Cowan ran a number of service stations in Edinburgh. In 2001, he bought a post office in Parsons Green Terrace, becoming the sub-postmaster while his wife Fiona managed the branch day-to-day. The couple inherited an experienced member of staff and together became a strong team, sticklers for getting the accounts right. Every discrepancy was traced and corrected in branch or by a transaction correction sent by the post office. Until that was 11th of February 2004 when Phil got a phone call from the branch telling him the weekly balance was showing a shortage of 30,000 pounds. The branch had been experiencing growing discrepancies for five weeks, but Fiona had expected them to be rectified through transaction corrections issued by the post office. She had not told her husband, as she didn't want him to worry. Phil immediately called in the area manager, who suspended him and closed the branch. Interrogated by post office investigators, Phil suggested the discrepancy might be some kind of computer glitch. He was told this was not possible. No one else in the entire post office network had problems with Horizon. Fiona was charged with false accounting. Phil's business was ruined. With the criminal charge hanging over her, Fiona was spat at in the street and called a thief. Jesus. Phil was told not to bother reapplying to manage his service station franchises at the end of their leases. On 21st of January 2009, Fiona overdosed on antidepressants and died, aged 47. Years later, Phil found out through a Freedom of Information request that all charges against Fiona had been dropped while she was still alive. No one had bothered to tell either of them. Quote, the horror of that whole post office fiasco was a major factor in her death, he says. Oh my god. That's terrible. Yeah, this is... This is Fucked up. Yeah. Uh, Here's another tragedy caused by this computer glitch that the post office refused to acknowledge. By 2009, Martin Griffiths had been successfully running Hope Farm Road post office in Great Sutton, Cheshire for 14 years. He'd swallowed some small but unexplained shortfalls in the past, but now four-figure discrepancies were showing up on his Horizon computer screen. When Martin first declared these to the post office, its response was uncompromising. Horizon was functioning perfectly. He would have to make good his losses from personal savings. Two years later, Martin was visited by post office auditors, who said his balance was now 23,000 pounds out. 
The post office suspended him, then reinstated him, but the losses continued to escalate. Between January 2012 and October 2013, more than 57,000 pounds went missing from Hope Farm Road. Now Martin, increasingly stressed, had to turn to his parents. They lent him their life savings. To make matters worse, in May 2013, armed robbers burst into his branch, smashed his hand, and told him if he didn't hand over the contents of the safe, he would be beaten around the head. They left with around 54,000 pounds in cash. Two months later, Martin was told that having failed to manage discrepancies and security at his branch, his contract was being terminated. He would liable for some of the stolen cash, too. That September, Martin stepped in front of a bus. He left a note apologizing to his family. His life support was switched off three weeks later. The coroner recorded a verdict of suicide. The post office didn't tell the incoming subpostmaster at Hope Farm Road what had happened to his predecessor. Within a few months, the new man, who had previously run a successful post office branch, also found discrepancies on his Horizon terminal. He was suspended from his job and told to pay the post office tens of thousands of pounds. Jesus! Wow, it's so crazy how, like, so many of these postmasters are stealing from uh, the, the post office. So so blatantly, too. So flagrantly. Like, is this a computer huh. glitch, or is this some kind of, like, shit that's going... Like, does this go even further with the people that, uh, you know, did this software and could have been embezzling money? Like... I mean, yeah, I don't know. passing it off on the lower post offices? Because it's like, we're... I mean, obviously... Where is the money? Yeah, at the end of the year, like, when you account for all this stuff... It has like, to be there if you're yeah. doing it properly. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the maker of the software is, like, Fujitsu, that uh, Japanese IT company. And, I mean, yeah, now people are being like, hey, we this needs to be investigated a lot further than it already has Absolutely. Been. <laughs> like, what the fuck happened? Anyway, again, this problem started over 20 years ago. It was a known issue among the postmasters. And despite the post office treating every victim as if this is the first they'd ever heard about any supposed glitch, they were apparently well aware that their IT was dog shit and just pretended otherwise instead of taking accountability and trying to do anything about it. Uh, Instead, they just continued to treat Horizon as if it were infallible. And so did the courts. Uh, Here's another tragedy from that Private Eye article. On 11th of November 2010, a pregnant sub-postmaster from Surrey was driven out of Guilford Crown Court in a prison van to begin a 15-month prison sentence for theft. Seema Misra had been convicted of stealing 74,000 pounds in cash from the post office branch she ran in West Byfleet, even though, in the trial judge's summing up, there is no direct evidence of her taking any money. She adamantly denies stealing. There is no CCTV evidence. There are no fingerprints or marked banknotes or anything of that kind. There is no evidence of her accumulating cash anywhere else or spending large sums of money or paying off debts. No evidence about her bank accounts at all. Nothing incriminating was found when her home was searched. The only evidence was a shortfall of cash compared to what the post office's Horizon computer system said should have been in the branch. Quote, do you accept the prosecution case that there is ample evidence before you to establish that Horizon is a tried and tested system in use at thousands of post offices for several years, fundamentally robust and reliable, the judge asked the jury. It did, and pronounced Seema Misra guilty. So that's the other thing that, with everyone involved, it's like, if these people have no paper trail of embezzling money yeah. and spending it or paying off debts or like spending it at all. Yeah, generally, like, you hear, a, you, we've covered a bunch of cases where people were like, stealing from their businesses or whatever. And there's always some, like, fucking obvious dead giveaway where, like, yeah, they like, made some huge These postmasters purchase. are making, let's just say, for instance, like, 50,000 pounds a year or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he randomly was able to buy a house or pay off $20,000 in debt, but also yeah. spent the amount that he pulls in. Like, that's why money laundering exists. Yeah. But, like, 
the, obviously, the evidence does not point to that in these cases. Yeah, none of these Fucked people up. made like any uh, their lives. Someone was using them like, as money laundering machines. I, I mean that there could be something to that. Yeah. I, I really hope they look into this further. Anyways, after too, after way too long, some of Horizon's victims started seeing some tiny sliver of justice from the BBC. In December 2019, at the end of a long-running series of civil cases, the post office agreed to settle with 555 claimants. It accepted it had previously, quote, got things wrong in its dealings with a number of postmasters. Oh, yeah. And agreed to pay 58 million pounds in damages. The claimants received a share of 12 million after legal fees were paid. A few days later, a high court judgment said that the Horizon system was not remotely robust for the first 10 years of its use and still had problems after that. The judge said the system contained bugs, errors, and defects, and that there was a material risk that shortfalls in branch accounts were caused by the system. So let's do the math. Uh, 12 million pounds after the legal fees divided by 555. That's an average of 218,000 pounds per claimant, which definitely not nothing. That's a lot of money. But is it enough to make up for people's lives being ruined for the last 10 or 20 years? No. I don't know. I'd say no. And uh, yeah, it's also potentially only a fraction of the number of actual victims. There's currently more than 2,400 additional claimants in a separate settlement system that was set up by the post office itself. And uh, most recently, last week, 39 former postmasters who were convicted of crimes over their horizon balances had their convictions overturned. But again, that's just a tiny fraction of the over 700 prosecutions that were based on faulty evidence from Horizon. Yeah, so this is far from over, and uh, even with the settlements and overturned convictions, a lot of the victims are still rightfully fucking pissed about this. From the BBC, speaking after his name was cleared, Harjinder Butoy, who was convicted of theft and jailed for three years and four months in 2008, described the post office as a disgrace. He said those responsible for the scandal need to be punished, seriously punished, adding, they're just bullies, that's all they are. Somebody needs to really, really sort this out and charge them for this. Huey Noel Thomas, also cleared, said it had been 16 years to fight for justice. Quote, All I want is my money back. People have walked away from this who were responsible. I'd like to sit down with them and ask them the question, why, he said. Terrible. This yeah, sucks. It's, this is fucking wild. Like, I don't know. Seems like, uh, seems like a, a problem that could have been fixed a long time ago, or at least acknowledged. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. Let's, let's end things on a, a lighter note today. Yeah. So you remember those paparazzi photos of Mark Zuckerberg riding on an electric surfboard? Wearing white in, face. In Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course you remember it because uh, he had so much sunscreen on his face that he looked like a kabuki performer. And uh, also a lot of people were shocked that the Zuck seems to be packing quite the dump truck ass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyways, almost a year after these photos were first published, Mark Zuckerberg has finally broken his silence. Actually, okay. He's actually talked about it before at an internal Facebook meeting that had its audio leaked. Here's what he said then. Yeah. I'm not a person who's under the illusion that I look particularly cool at any point with what I'm doing. <laughs> but when you're e-foiling down the coast of Kauai, uh, and it's beautiful, and it just feels like it's awesome, and then you come back online and you see that's the photo, that's what you look like. It's like, okay, all right. That's maybe quite a bit more sunscreen than I thought I was wearing. But uh, look, got to stay safe. I'm not going to apologize for wearing too much sunscreen. I think sunscreen is good, and I stand behind that. And he's not wrong. Yeah, okay. So that's what Zuckerberg said shortly after the photos came out in, a, in what he believed was a private setting. But the subject recently came up again during an Instagram live chat with the head of Instagram, and his story changed a little bit. Here's what he said. I mean, when you know, I'm a pretty pale person, so if I'm out in Hawaii, it's, it's pretty strong there, and I'm going to get burnt, and I want to, you know, stay healthy. So 
So I do it. But in that particular case, I um, I was just kind of fooling around, and um, and then I noticed there was this paparazzi guy following us. So I was like, oh, I don't want him to recognize me. So you know what I'm just <laughs> so you know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to put on a ton of sunscreen on my face, and so he won't know who I am. But uh, that um that backfired. That really really uh, I should have thought that one through more. So instead, he took these photos, and it's like, what is this guy doing? And it's like, yeah, no, that's fair. The delta between how cool you think you look and, like, kind of the worst photo a paparazzi or someone can take is pretty funny. I just want to have a sense of humor about this stuff. It's all, it's all good. This is what comedy is. I'm making a, a joke about what happened. When my original statement that was behind closed doors but leaked was way better. Actually, I put on... <laughs> you put on sunscreen, no one's going to notice. You're going to blend in the crowd. The paparazzi aren't going to be able to tell it's you. I mean, it's kind of true with the, with the Juggalo makeup. It's true. Problem is, they didn't have black lines all over. They make Juggalo sunscreen. Um, maybe they should. I just think it's funnier that, like, in public, he's trying to make up some story about well, how. Actually, there's a good reason why I did that. And privately, it's like no, perfectly understandable. Yeah, you're a pale guy who, <laughs> and you don't want to get a burnt, b sun cancer. Yeah, or skin cancer from the sun. So you put on a lot of sunscreen. Like, that's what you do to stay safe. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Nothing wrong with it. You look silly, but, like, who's going to be laughing when you're alive and not dead from cancer? Yeah, also, it's, like, the least bad thing you've ever been, like, accused of. Yeah, on the scale of, uh... Yeah. Of, uh, embarrassing things. Yeah. That you should be embarrassed about. This is pretty low on the totem pole there. Anyway, that's our show. Uh, 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 Quick, before before we end it, uh, I was on a, a podcast... Mm. That went up this week. Uh, I I played both Winklevoss twins in a uh, a finance podcast run by some friends of mine called uh, Business Money Hacks. It's uh, quite a trip. We invented uh, NFTs, which is uh, cheese oh, on the blockchain. Yeah. Um, talked a lot of shit about a Mark modern Zuckerberg. day craft. Uh, yeah. So I'll leave a link below for that. And uh, a bit of personal news: I'm getting a haircut right after we film. Oh shit! Wow. I, uh, I am officially fully 100% vaccinated, and I made the promise. Well, the original promise was 200,000 subscribers before January 1st. Yeah. We hit it just after. Uh, but, uh, yeah, even then, it's like, eh, well, you know, I'm not vaccinated. I'm not going to get a haircut and be next to someone's face or whatever. Yeah. But I'm fully vaccinated now. Uh, say good one last goodbye. And say to prove, goodbye to these. To prove that I'm not bald on top, because people are like, why is he wearing the hat all the time? He must be bald on top. Do one, no. more, do one of these before. He, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do have a, a you know. Junk, junk. A hairline that goes way back. But I've had that since I was a kid. I have the Nicolas Cage hairline since I was like 19 years old. But uh, heading to the barbershop after this to get it taken care of. end of an era. I know. Uh, Hopefully people can adjust. It's like replacing a host on a show. They're going to be like, the fuck is this guy? Bring back the old Ricky. Yeah. I'm going to have to grow it back out. I'll grow it back out if we had half a million by the end of the year. You going to donate your hair? I don't think it's long enough. I did it once, but it was yeah, way longer. Yeah, it does longer. have to be pretty long. Uh, the, I donated it uh, years ago when it was it was longer than this, and they were still like, I don't know, it's kind of cutting it close. So uh, I, I doubt it's going to be possible. But right. uh, um, I hope it's a good haircut. Either way, I wear a hat, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. I've gotten some bad haircuts before. But... Anyways, we got two most recent episodes over here on the sidebar by now. and mm-hmm. um, There you go. I can bear- We had the Josh fight. Oh, on, and then uh, uh, Joe Biden's uh, banning of red meat. <laughs> the meat is being banned. Joe Biden beats the meat. Anyway, great thumbnail on that one, too. (laughs) Uh, Please enjoy. See you soon. Bye.